Welcome to the Soul Podcast. Great stories, tough issues, grace in the real world. Soul is a production of Through the Word. That's the intro. Time for the show. So let's get to it. You've got to hear this story. Hello, Soul listeners. Chris Langham here with a quick word before we get started. Our story today, as with last week, is a powerful one, but not an easy one to hear, and it may be, and it may not be one for children or for anyone who struggles with PTSD. We're going again to the scene of a mass shooting. We will not be graphic. We will be respectful, and we will speak hope and strength and courage throughout this story. But the story is intense, so please consider before we begin. And kids, turn it off. Check with your parents first. Now, with that said, welcome to the Soul Podcast. Great stories, tough issues, and grace in the real world. This is part two of our series, Gunfire, Grace, and Resilience. Brad Hornback is with me again. Welcome back, Brad. Uh, it's good to be back. That was quite a story we had in part one. It was heavy. Yeah, heavy. you knew that story already. Yes. Well, we are continuing with uh, another story. Last week, we had good friends of yours, Brad. Today, we have my neighbors. And uh, amazingly, both at the same event in Las Vegas in October of 2017, and that was really part of the shock for both of us, Brad, is as we started planning out some uh, some of our, our episodes for the Soul Podcast, mm-hmm. is that we both had a, uh, a first, first-hand connection with people at the same event, and, uh, and quite an event. Now, uh, again, this still feels to me a little bit like holy ground as we, as we walk towards the story, because of what happened, and uh, because in the midst of this, lives were lost. Yes. And so we, we step forward carefully with this, but we want to tell the story. And uh, I want to introduce uh, my neighbors and my good friends. So Steve and Abra Tresky's fantastic neighbors. I just want to say that to you guys. I don't know if I've told you that before, but I love <laughs> Thank having you. you guys as neighbors. Thank oh. you. <laughs> Likewise. <love> you. <laughs> Steve is a firefighter. Where, where do you fight fire, Steve? Uh, with the city of Torrance. The city of Torrance, California. Mm-hmm. And uh, I noticed when I said you guys are good neighbors, you didn't say anything about me, I don't, yes, I'm we not do. Said I said likewise. <laughs> oh, you did. Okay. All right, we we can. That got scary for a minute. I was thinking about that part out of the yes. sweating. sweating. <laughs> nice to have you guys in the studio. Now, I'm going to quickly reintroduce the event. Uh, mm. If you're listening to this at home and uh, you're hearing part mm. two, know that there is a part one to this. October first, 2017, Las Vegas, Nevada. Route 91 Harvest Music Festival. As we are in part two, I won't retell that part of the event, but but who were you guys there with? We were with friends, so we were with about four other couples that I work with, and it was our second year, so... Just Second the, year back at the same event, same same festival, yeah. Now, Second what kind of what kind of music was was playing at this festival? Oh, it was all country western music. Oh, it was so. a country was one of those. Yeah, you guys country fans? We are. Yeah. We so, are. Uh, so who was who was the highlight of the event for you? Mm. Uh, you have one, babe. No, I'll let, yeah. it's it's all good. You know what we uh, we enjoyed Brett Young. Yeah, and uh, and then there were there were several very good entertainers you know we were looking forward to the last one kind of got cut short but that was the highlight jason aldean yeah be the highlight yeah now who was singing jason aldean jason aldean now what struck me as i as you guys sat in in our kitchen and as i talked to you guys was that you said something as you talked about the concerts very much when we talked to to frank and autumn it was a good concert it was great and it was a it was an event with friends and before any anything went down, before any shots were fired, it was like any other concert. And uh, and you're connected with other people, and you're enjoying good music. 
And uh, and uh, you guys told me that before anything happened, you actually had a, a conversation just looking around at, at the event that was mm. uh, a little mm. foreshadowing. Mm. Sure, we did. Yeah, you, as you sit there, you're in a you're in an open, basic parking lot, and it's pretty much like a fishbowl. So as you as you sit down, we had we were in the uh, chair section where you're able to bring your own beach chairs and sit down on some artificial turf. But as you sit there, you know, you're under the, the nice uh, Nevada sky and beautiful, beautiful night, but you're also being looked down on by all the surrounding high rises. So mm-hmm. it is a little bit, you know, you feel like you are sitting in a fishbowl and it did cross our mind like this is, it did feel a little uncomfortable, mm-hmm. but never suspecting that would happen. Yeah. So you have that quick conversation and then yeah. just... I actually said this is a perfect place for a terrorist attack. Yeah. That's that was our conversation on Saturday night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and assumed that you could just move on from that. But mm-hmm. uh, but what happened is, uh, is somebody did open fire. Mm-hmm. Now before we jump into that story, I'm going to let Brad give us uh, our sole podcast rules of engagement. Now we already went through them a, a little more detail in part one, but uh, but Brad remind us and then we'll get into our story. All right. So there's four four rules of engagement. Basically, respect the story. Uh, humility before wisdom, grace always in every story, and God has the last word. And just so you guys know, I'm not speaking yeah. it to you as much as it's for all of us, you oh. know, and it's for the listeners out there and everybody in, involved in hearing the story. Yeah, I like to. I like that we come back to that every time because yeah. it is uh, it is an example for for those who are listening at home as we talk about stories. There's an importance of respecting somebody else's story, mm-hmm. and there's a temptation I find that that we have when we hear people's stories in intense situations of what I would have done, mm-hmm. and you kind of like retell somebody else's story through eyes, but respect the story first, mm-hmm. and uh, and walk into it with humility. And we are going to walk into some some debatable issues. Some people every time there's a shooting, there's always a debate about gun control comes up again and those are those are important matters but first we're going to tell the story so i want to ask you guys for that take us to uh take us to to your point of view from the story when did you know something was happening yeah just like frank and autumn you know very, exactly the same start out right we're sitting at the concert i uh, heard the firecracker or the pops that were pretty evident it did sound like firecrackers that were going off and abra turned to me and said you know was that gunshots and I wasn't ready to go there yet. It it sounded like gunshots. I was hoping it was fireworks. I remember looking over towards the Mandalay Bay and hoping to see some lights reflecting off those mirrors to give us some kind of aerial firework. But it was uh, there was nothing. There was a pause, um, and then that second volley came through, and that's when I was like, I, "It is gun. It, that is gunfire, babe." And you know, she was had a good attitude about it. She pretty much probably wanted to say, well, thank you, Captain Obvious. <laughs> but uh, we got up and we started running, and that was our instinct. Mm-hmm. So much like Frank and Autumn's story, um, you knew right away once that second round started going through that it was definitely gunfire. We got up and uh, started to run away from the gunfire. So we were a little different position than Frank and Autumn. We were back probably 150 to 200 yards uh, back in that chair section. On the left side, and uh, we got up, started running, and right away uh, started to feel the. We could feel the actually the wind of the bullets cutting through the air. So it was bouncing off the asphalt as we were running. Um, we were back by the concession stands, and as we started to run away, uh, they started to hit on the on the sheet metal of the concession stand, and I just remember 
scream and get down because you can just feel it all around you. Mm-hmm. We dove to the ground, and the the shooter must have been changing his rifles. Uh, had that break, started screaming to get up. Uh, we had to get through a bunch of barricades that were keeping people out of the concession stand area. Uh, we were able to get through that and uh, started running towards an exit that we knew about. And we were thankful that there was two Las Vegas police officers at that exit directing traffic and just screaming, out this way, out this way. Uh, we're running, and I noticed that I'm limping, and something felt funny. My back was burning. Um, I'm limping, and told Abra, I, I think I've been hit. And I looked down, and I obviously was hit. You know, my leg was bleeding. I was worried about my back because I didn't know what was going on there. I ended up uh, finding out that I had, I still have the bullet in my leg. Um, you it still was, got it today, two years later. Yeah, still in there. Um, have uh, was grazed on my back about two inches from my spine and uh, was grazed on my right leg. So, I mean, that's just how close. And you mentioned grace, and Abra and I are here to tell you today that we're here by the grace of God for getting out. We kept running. Uh, we were able to run back to a street that was on the backside of the of the venue. And uh, Abra was able to hail a, a, an Uber driver and just said, hey, can you, can you help us out? My husband's been shot. Um, we'd like to get out of here, but can you get us to the hospital? So we opened up the van. Um, and this is just a guy who's cruising around. Does he know what's going he on? He has no clue. He's, you know, he, What is happening here? So this is very early. I mean, you guys got we out We got fairly, out quick. Really we got quick. really quick because yeah. as soon as that second round, that second volley came through, we were and we were back in the venue, so we were able to get to the exit fairly quick. We, I was actually one of the first um, patients to arrive at Sunrise Hospital, mm-hmm. and I'll get into that in a second. That was a little awkward. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But the van story, you know, and I know uh, Frank mentioned it, just some of those raw nerves are coming out because we packed that van up like a sardine can. It was like one of those circus cars where you get as many clowns <laughs> in it as you can. Yeah. 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 And I just remember people laying across my lap and, you know, they're trying to tend to my leg, um, but people were getting sick, you know, the, the emotions. They were vomiting, crying, yeah. screaming, um, coping with what had just happened. We were able to uh, get to the hospital, and I remember exiting. Uh, I was the only one that was injured, so Abra and I got out. The van left and just kept on driving. And I remember walking into the emergency room, and, and the nurses and doctors were there waiting, like, well, you know, what what's going on? And, you know, real quick, I just gave them a quick brief. Hey, you're, you're gonna so be they don't s- even realize they don't. what's coming. They don't. That and that's point. what was real uncomfortable, Chris, because, you know, I work in this profession, and yeah. They knew, I knew that they were going to be getting a lot of patients just based on it. The, the shots did not stop. It just kept going and going. And you knew people were, and we were jumping over people trying to get out, yeah. um, trying to communicate that to the doctors and nurses. They hadn't fully grasped it because it was still unfolding and uh, told them, hey, I'm fine. I just, just really, we wanted a safe refuge area. We wanted an area that we didn't know what was going on. Just like, you know, Autumn and Frank mentioned multiple shooters. Um, all over the strip, they were having reports. We didn't know what was going on, but we felt safe at the hospital. So walked in, they put me in a trauma room and I tried to mention to the nurse, not to, not for any kind of trying to be tough or anything, but I just didn't feel comfortable. It's like, I think you're going to have a lot of critical patients. And she's like, we're a trauma center. We're a level two trauma center. This is our job. Don't worry about it. Just top up in the bed. So I did. And, um, they started going through the treatment, right? Stripping the clothes. They wanted to get a uh, picture of my back. Um, 
take me to a CAT scan. Well, just then the other patients started to come in and we ended up having three patients come in and all three of them went, went into traumatic full arrest. And that's when the nurse, you know, would you mind stepping out? And absolutely not. So was able to go out to the hallway and already within probably 15 minutes, the hallways were already full with about 50 to 75 patients, all varying degrees that had been triaged and uh, was sitting in the hallway. And I just remember sitting across from a gentleman that had been um, triaged and he just looked horrible, kept, kept saying, oh, I'm going to die. I feel like I'm going to die. I said, why do you think you're going to die? You know, I, I just don't feel right. I feel funny. I feel like I'm going to die. And he was, his body, you know, they had stripped his clothing to check for, for wounds. He was tattooed up, so his body was covered in ink, but you could see his belly was distended. Mm-hmm. And I was like, buddy, were you shot in the abdomen? Because your, your stomach is distended. And he goes, I think I was. And you can look, and there was actually a, a ruby red dot right mm-hmm. above his belly button. And uh, he'd been shot in the abdomen. And, and it, you can understand, there's so much going on. Of course, things are going to get missed. And uh, was able to get a nurse over, and, and she checked it. And she said, absolutely, you know, he, he was shot in the abdomen. They got a doctor. They were able to take him off into surgery. But it was at that point, I'm like, I don't need to be in I don't need to be in the in the ER right now. I'm going to go back out with my wife. Hmm. So I, I went ahead and walked out and walked over to the waiting room where Abra was. And, and it was nice to see because she was over there actually praying with uh, some of the victims, some of the families. And, uh, you know, just through the whole thing, I mean, not to discount it, I mean, there's so many details that, that go on at these shootings and so many interactions and, and, the, and the talks that you have with some of the people that were involved. Um, I would like to share one, though, just, just the power of prayer. You know, for for Abra, she was over in the in the waiting room, and one of the families was very struggling really hard. One of the um, their father had been shot, and it was in the head, and they were beside themselves, understandably. And Abra asked if she could pray with them, just to kind of get the heart and the in the mind right. And uh, I remember her saying that someone sitting in the lobby screamed over and just said, "She doesn't need that right now." Mm-hmm. And Abra just said, you know, I'm going to pray anyway. And started praying with the lady and closed out the prayer after praying for the husband and the family. And the woman just said, that's exactly what I needed right now. So mm-hmm. you can see people were hurting and uh, there was just an opportunity to, and I know Frank mentioned it, just being able to talk to people and kind of shake them and wake them to kind of get control of, of where you're at and your emotions because it does start to lead to unhealthy um yeah, event, you can so. spiral. You need other people. You need to talk. Yeah. But that was our that was our story. Um, we're so we're blessed, you know, yeah. to be able to get out with the minimal, you know, impact. But still, the scars that are. I mean, whether you have emotional trauma or or physical wounds, everybody is dealing with it in different levels. And uh, but we're we're thankful. I mean, just what God's used this event to do. The opportunities we've had to share with other people that were there or to talk at certain engagements just to share the peace of uh, what we went through. Yeah. That was now, I want to ask you about that. And actually, yeah. I want to ask you, when you, you guys sat down with the band and talked about your story, what really struck me is <clears throat> you talk about a piece, a, a, a piece in a situation that is absolutely the opposite. Of, that would be the the antonym in, in the dictionary. If you're going to look up peace, this is not a peaceful situation mm-hmm. in any way. So, so Abra, take us back to uh, to where where you were when you realized what's happening, and uh, and use that word as you describe this to me. So, uh, so walk us walk me through what what the the event was for you. What the the whole event as a whole? You mm-hmm. mean? 
Um, yeah, the vent was exactly what he said, but um, it, for me, it was like an out-of-body experience, you know, trying to get out of there, and it, a few little pieces are missing because before we got to the concession area, actually, um, he, he was shot there, and so, you know, we were trying to get out from there, and the people, this guy was picking up a barbecue and like he threw the barbecue up in the air and actually dove under it to get out. But um, yeah, it was like you can't, you couldn't hear anything around you. It was only the the bullets. That's all I could hear for months afterwards. You know, was just the sound of those bullets coming at me, and also thinking. Now you hear the gunfire or the bullets whizzing by you? The bullets whizzing by us, mm. yeah, because everything else was like standing still in time. But the the whizzing of the bullets, I, I couldn't shake that, you know, from my mind. But when we got to the hospital, um, it's, it's true, I was in the waiting room and it was like a war zone. You know, all of the people in there were screaming and crying and covered in blood and I knew that the only thing that was going to get people through was to be able to pray f- with them and pray for them. And that's what gave me peace, you know, there. And just, I knew, I knew that, um, you know, God is, will get his glory there and he's going to work in the midst of all that. So, yeah. yeah. And, mm-hmm. and that's really a challenging part of this story to, to come at it realistically, the uh, the woman who, who's shouting the prayer is the last thing that, that mm. she needs is uh, it's an understandable human response sure. yeah. to to be in the midst of a situation like that and to feel like God has left you. If God were here, I, you know, I, I think a from a human understanding, well, if I were God, I would have just stopped the whole thing. Exactly. Like, why why is prayer mm-hmm. coming into this story now? Why wouldn't why wouldn't God just prevent it all? But. Mm-hmm. We serve a God, mm. and we know a God who who works in the midst of tragic situations and uh, and heartbreak and death and war and and all that that we face. And yet, some of us come away with with faith and with peace, and some of us walk away from it and want nothing to do with with God after that. Mm. And those are our human reactions. But in in the midst of your story, what do you think? What's the what instincts kick in that say I should pray right now? Yeah. Where does that come from? You know what? I think that's just rooted in our faith. I, I think the Lord gave us that as we were running. Um, I remember just, you know, we trained for this. You know, I've, I've been a part of responses to you know, active shooters for training with the police department. And just to be a part of it, you're thinking, you got to be kidding me right now. This is going on right now. I can't believe this. Hmm. But, the, but the instinct to pray was, what else am I going to do? Because I, I, I know myself. I'm conditioned to try and control chaotic situations, but I'm also conditioned to know that oh, I got to, I got to put this before the Lord. I don't understand what's going on, but that's where, that's where our peace comes from. And, uh, you know, one of the things we've had a chance to share is we did not handle it perfectly. We were, we were running on adrenaline. We were, it's that fight or flight natural instinct that you are dealing with. We saw people in the fetal position, unable to move. And we saw people full out sprinting to get out of there. It, it, like Frank had mentioned, there, everybody reacts differently, and you're not going to judge or fault what's going on. You're you're trying to protect and, and get yourself to a, a position of safety. I think looking at it, we're thankful that we had 
the assurance of our salvation. I mean, that is really, if, if, if the Lord chose to take Abernai that night or Frank and Autumn, we have a peace of knowing where our souls are going. And that's really, that was kind of the affirmation coming out of this is, well, hey, we were, we were tested. We were put through a trial, and we hope that God gets the glory and the honor through it. But really, it kind of just proved to us that our faith is real. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know what? If the Lord had taken us, we're okay with that because we know, we know he's in control of all details. Yeah. But we're also just, we're just thankful for that peace that he gives us. So, Yeah, I think there, I was actually studying through the book of Colossians, and there, there's a verse that talks about being rooted and, uh, and built up in mm-hmm. Christ. And the, the roots really kind of struck me. And as I was thinking through that, the roots are, are where, you know, a tree gets its nutrients. But roots are also the way a tree stands in a storm. Right. When, when a hurricane hits, roots are actually that a tree will dig down and wrap its roots around large rocks and anything stable that it can find. I don't know how it gets those instincts, but God put them in there. But roots keep you grounded. And trees can take on great big storms because their, their roots are, are holding on. And you think about how do you know what you're rooted in? We don't see our roots, but personally, how do I know what, and I might like to think I'm rooted in one thing or another, but how you respond when the storm hits mm. really tells you a lot about where your soul is grounded and, and how you react in the moment. And that's not a judgmental statement of anybody, how they respond to anything, but it is eye-opening what you do when you when something bad strikes, when when you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, and, and in that moment, sure. and you learn some things from it. Absolutely. Now, I want to I want to step away for for a second from the story and talk about life as a uh, as a first responder, as a okay. fireman, sure. and uh, and as a first responder's wife. There there are two perspectives on this, and uh, and talk about the the instincts. You know, to begin with, you, you talked about training for, for such an event. One of the things that, that all of us notice about first responders is that in such an event, they're strikingly different. Even as you told me about two Las Vegas police officers who are standing in harm's way just to tell people where to go. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a powerful instinct. What is it that, that that's not normal human instinct when you think about fight or flight to have your first instinct to be help? somebody else rather than just get myself out of here. What is it that drives a, a first responder in in the opposite direction? What is it that drives those two policemen to stand there and help everybody else get out? Yeah, it's a great question. It's almost a personal question, you know, for I can only answer for myself. And that's just rooted in the way I was raised and having a father that modeled that. He, he's a retired firefighter and an uncle yeah. and a brother. It's in our family. Um, a lot of our family discussions and our family topics are about the fire service. So, you know, it was instilled in me at an early age, the desire to serve. And that's part of it. A big part of it is wanting to help people. You're really seeing people in their time of greatest need when you're, whether you're police or fire, something that's probably somebody's biggest major event in their life. You know, we're seeing that up to maybe a dozen to two dozen times a day. So it, the instinct is, I would say it's a, it's a learned instinct mm-hmm. because it takes hours of training to be able to, to think and act um, in those moments. 
um, with a clear mind. Sometimes we have to catch ourselves too. It's easy to get caught up. You know, sometimes there's that model of a of a duck that's sitting on the water that looks really calm on the top, but the legs are just going crazy underneath the water. That's sometimes the model of of a first responder. You know, mm. you have to give the presence of calmness to try and calm the scene. Mm. Otherwise, it turns into chaos. And we're there to try and calm some chaos, but. Sometimes. Is that part of your training? Is that for when you're a young firefighter? Is it part of the training, the, the demeanor that you keep in the midst oh, of the situation? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. They, you know, our, the first responders on the fire side, you know, they go through extensive training where they're put in stressful situations and they're required to perform at certain levels where they get evaluated and they have to be able to perform. And that's, that's really a condition of employment. You have to be able to perform effectively in stress or or you're going to be ineffective and become part of the problem. So yeah, it is. Yeah. Well, let's talk about where faith comes in. Mm. Where, where does faith enter that story? It, it's certainly not a requirement to enter the fire department or to be a, a first responder in any way, but you are a man of faith and uh, you yes. bring that into your work. So how does that change your experience as, as a first responder? Well, it, it drives who I am, right? My faith is my identity. You know, I, my firefighting job is a job but I am, I am a man of faith, and I would hope that that's my character around the firehouse and what people um, get communicated to from me is, you know, and that's a that's a slippery slope in a in a workforce. Also, you know, mm-hmm. you got to be very um, careful with with your conversations. But as far as faith, it's it's what gives me peace going to work. You know, if my faith is I've got a job to do, and it's usually started with prayer in the morning as I'm driving into work for a, for a day of safety and to be able to perform effectively and make good decisions because there's a lot of people that work under me. But, you know, the faith is the cornerstone of, of everything we do. And, and again, that, that's been that progressive sanctification in our walk, right? We've, we didn't start out that way, but God has grown Abra and I through trials, through Las Vegas, through things in family life. And he's, his goodness has just been continuous uh, mm-hmm. throughout all those events. And it's just, it just keeps building our faith. So we're just thankful for that. You know, it's, it's odd to say, Chris, and, and I mean this, and I know Abra would say it from the bottom of her heart, is we're actually we're thankful to be allowed to go through some of these trials because it's, it's kind of just revealed that our faith is real. It's tested us, and although not perfect, God is continues to be good in our life and show us his goodness and gets us through these trials and it just builds our trust and our faith and so we are thankful you know as hard as that is and and that's along with all the the trials and i mean Mm. i mean you could probably talk that too you could probably look back and do the the uh, rearview mirror and look through the things you've been through and you're you didn't understand it at the time but once you're passed through you're kind of thankful for the road that the lord has led you through that's one of the reasons I, I wanted to tell this story from a fresh perspective. Because part of my experience, when, when I watch the news of, of really difficult events, I, I find myself challenging where was God in the midst of that. But I'm challenging in a story that I'm not a part of. And then when I, I go, <clears throat> excuse me for that. When, uh, when I go out, I, remember I went out to uh, uh, a year after 9-11, went out to, with a, a team to, to New York and talking to, to some of the people. And there are those who walked away from God because of it. There are those who, who found God in the presence, walking them through that. Can they answer every question of why God allowed this or this person didn't make it? No, that, that's not the role of faith. Faith doesn't try to answer every question. It does answer a lot of questions, but it does walk you through mm-hmm. in the in, in the hardest times. Now, Abra, I want to ask you about what's uh, 
the life of a firefighter's wife. The, mm-hmm. there, are, are, there are certain challenges that, that come with that and how faith plays a role for you. For me, um, ignorance has always been bliss. <laughs> I'm, I'm a, I like to just, you know, believe that nothing was going to happen to him. And even when we were young, married, everyone would ask me, oh, aren't you afraid, you know? Oh, no, he's going to be fine. But um, I was a new Christian when we got married. Yeah. So through, you know, different trials and things that we've been through, my faith has grown through all of that. I've been the mom and dad for lots of, you know, days on days at a time. And, and, um, so yeah, I mean, faith has definitely had to come into a lot of situations. Yeah. Firefighter hours affect family life significantly. Yeah. We've been, we've been pretty blessed. Mm -hmm. I, I think, like I said, ignorance is bliss and I'm just kind of the person that just goes along with it and everything's fine. But, um, yeah, it's, faith has definitely been built through, um, trials. I think that we've been through as him, you know, different things that he's had to go through at work. He's seen, of course, a lot of horrible things and he used to come home and share those things with me, with me. And I told him quickly not to share them anymore (laughs) with me because I would have bad dreams. Um, but yeah, I think, um, just, you know, always knowing that you have God first, you know, forefront in everything and knowing that, I mean, it's the creator of the universe, you know, it's like I, we can get through anything through mm-hmm. it. And so that's, you know, it's just it's been steady, steady faith building through the years and, um, now your, son, <laughs> your son has walked into the same profession. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, now how long has he been in the force? He's been on about a year and a half. Yeah. yeah. So what was, the, what was the advice that that you gave your son as he walked into? Uh... Don't blow it. <laughs> <laughs> now, no. ignorance isn't that yeah. much anymore. No. So I'm, I have no. a little different take on him being yeah. in the fire service. No, my son, you know, the, the best advice you can give your son is, is to work hard and, and be true to your faith, right? Be true to who you are. Mm-hmm. Do your work as under the Lord, and and yeah, you're working in a pretty secular environment, and you know, your best witness is to go work hard and have a great attitude, not phony, but just be real. Yeah. And you build those relationships, and and that is one of the biggest thing, the biggest draws of the fire service is the relationships. It's a family, mm-hmm. and you're living side by side with people for 48, 72, 96 hours. You get to know them. You get to know their their strengths, their weaknesses, their issues, and it's just been—it's uh, been an incredible career. So he's got to see that also modeled for him, and I think that's what's been the draw. Is he sees the the great friendships that you have, and the the family vacations, and and how we count on each other. And there's a true brother and sisterhood in there that is different than a lot of workforces. So, yeah, just the wisdom yeah. is just work hard and, and do what you're told, and do it with a great attitude and. And he's doing that, doing a good job. Let me ask you this about firefighters. Every firefighter <laughs> that, that I know is the most incredibly calm Just and chill, p- chill. Like, like mellow, got it. And, and you know, you watch firefighters in the movies or on TV, they, they, there's, there's a lot of drama and edge going on. A lot of yeah. fr- Is it just the ones that I run into or uh, what is it? And, and how is it that you can go from being so at ease with yourself to like, you've got to be ready to, to turn on, on as soon as the alarm goes and, and I, hit it. I, like have to, time, I have yeah. to answer that oh, because, go ahead. <laughs> because he is extremely 
calm. And opposites attract. I'm the complete opposite. But he is. I think you're right. It does take a certain person, and he is very calm. And in situations, I'm the duck it's, on water. It, it, it blows <laughs> my mind, actually, because, you know, when there's chaos and everything is just blowing up, and he, he sorts things out and, you know, puts things in priority. And he's, yeah, it does definitely take a certain personality to do that. For sure. I, I wouldn't say it's all of them though, Chris, because yeah. you know, it, it, you, <laughs> well, yeah, we work with incredible people, but everybody gets, it just takes one call. You know, that you can just, I mean, you can have a, a bad traffic accident with kids that are your kid's age mm, and true. you're checked out, you know, you just kind of lock in and you start seeing your kids. So we are, t- the biggest thing is your team and where one has weaknesses, the other one usually picks you up, and mm. and our and our strength is in our team approach. So, but to be mellow and to be calm, you have to force yourself. You really do, because it's easy to be caught up with, you know, a, a burning structure with reports of people trapped. And if you become a if you become a part of that chaos and start screaming on the radio, you raise the whole tension of the whole event. So you got to force yourself to try and stay calm and and, and meet your objectives. So, mm. not everybody. But for the most part, pretty pretty great group of people. Yeah, I know some good firefighters. Yeah. Your neighbor's pretty good, I hear. So, <laughs> you know what's interesting with that is my a little different. But my dad, I was raised in a police officer's home, yeah. um, and my dad a little different hours, mm-hmm. but long hours yeah. with his partner. His partner that he had for the majority of the time. That's his best friend still to this day. Yeah, you know, it's true. It, it's it's. There's something I think with first responders in general. I mean, because of what you go through together, that team. Oh, absolutely. There's a bond there that you know. Oh, you go through those battles. You know, you go through some really stressful events, mm-hmm. and it does bring you closer. And it builds the morale of the of the group, but it also builds your relationships, that trust and, and trust depend, dependence. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I talked about being rooted before. Actually, really cool. Little nature story. My favorite trees in the world are the the redwoods. The the great big redwoods. Mm-hmm. When you go up to, to Northern California, are just phenomenal. And those suckers have have stayed there for several hundred years. Like some of them are a thousand years old and more. And they're they're like skyscrapers. And they've seen every storm that has come on the California coast for mm-hmm. several centuries. Mm-hmm. And to learn that the roots only go twelve feet deep. <laughs> they're they're. 300 feet tall and, and higher and the roots only go 12 feet deep and what they do is all their roots go down and then sideways and they hold each other mm-hmm. and and the roots actually wrap around each other for, for strength and because they're all wrapped together they stand tall for centuries biggest trees in the world wow. mm-hmm. That's cool. I like that picture. That's we're gonna we're gonna change directions and uh, we're gonna get to our theology throwdown and mm. uh, and Brad, I'm gonna let you walk us into this one for this series. We're doing throwdown a little bit differently. So uh, Brad, what do we got this time? Yeah, we're not gonna quite go at each other like we do a lot of times we with throwdown. Go at each other. I mean, it's kind of fun. People get carded and stuff, but that's a different <laughs> thing if you listen to this podcast. Uh, but we're we're gonna deal with uh, basically verses that that kind of answer this question: Is where is God in the valley? of the shadow of death. Mm. And so with that being said, Steve, you got one for us. Oh yeah, this is uh, this is one of my favorite verses having go through a bunch of trials, you know, you you have your go-tos and when you're in the valley of the shadow of death, you know, Philippians 4, 6 and 7 just say do not be anxious for anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And that just gives you so much peace. You know, you, you put it before the Lord, 
and his peace just beyond understanding. And it's true. We've experienced it time and time again. And that's what people ask, you know, just how are you getting through this? And it's because God supplies that peace. It's it's unexplainable. I can't explain it. Mm. You know, sure, we have times where we allow ourselves to get a little anxious. And, you know, just hearing Autumn and, and Frank's story is like, oh, my goodness, how unbelievable what mm. they had to go through. But it's it's Scripture that brings you back to your to your root system, right, Chris? Mm-hmm. And it's it just grounds you back in. So there's some powerful words verse. there. Yeah. You know, do not be anxious about anything, mm-hmm. but in every situation, right. you know, basically trust in the Lord. That's right. right, Chris, you got one for us. Well, I got a favorite. Romans eight twenty eight is a popular one, but uh, but I want to I want to bring something out of this. Romans eight twenty eight says, "In all things, God works for good for those who love Him." and who are called according to his purpose. And we like that verse because it tells us that God is doing good. But two things it doesn't say. It doesn't say all things are good, Mm -hmm. and it doesn't say God does all things. God doesn't cause the evil, and he doesn't tell us to to look past all the evil and say, oh, I guess that's all good Mm because God's in control. But it does say that in all things, in the midst of all things, God works for good. And you look to that. And we serve a God who who hasn't given us a, a world that's Candyland, where everything just works out fine. He, he allows sin and he allows humans to be humans. But in the midst of that, if you look, God is at work yes. through all of it. And even in the valley of the shadow of death. Why don't you go ahead and share with us uh, the Deuteronomy verse you have? Because I think it fits really well with what you were just talking about. Yeah, I appreciate that. This is another favorite of mine. Uh, Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may follow all the words of this law. Very simply, there are secret things that belong to God that we don't get the answers to. And always there will be more questions. And if you answered why then you'd have another why. We could all be that pesky little kid who keeps asking why, but God offers us a peace that passes understanding. Mm-hmm. So why push him for a peace that comes from understanding when you've already got the peace? The secret things belong to God, but the things we do know, we hold on to those. Amen. And Abra, you had one from the book of Psalms that you wanted to share with us. I do. And mine comes from um, after the shooting, I was terrified, terrified every single night when I went to bed. Mm-hmm. And so this this really spoke to, me, spoke to me. It's Psalm 46, one through three. God is our refuge and strength and ever present help in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Amen to that. <laughs> and I'm gonna let that close us out because we are out of time. And uh, I'm going to invite you guys back, Steve and Abra. Thank you so much for being with us on this episode. Will you come back and join us? Absolutely. We're going to step back into the studio in episode three and part three of this series. We're also going to bring Frank and Autumn back. And we'll talk about the road to recovery, the power of support. And uh, we're going to bring these stories into the present, what God is doing with them now. Thanks, guys, for being with us. Thank you, Brad, once again. Thank you. It's a good episode. It's a powerful story. I agree. To our listeners... You heard it. Now go tell someone. It's a muddy world, so walk by faith and walk with grace. That's all for the Soul Podcast, everyone. I hope you enjoyed the story. Join us next time as the conversation continues. You can subscribe wherever great podcasts are found, and you can find every episode at soulpodcast.com. 
That's S-O-L-E podcast.com. The Soul Podcast is a production of Through the Word. If you like this podcast, you're going to love Through the Word with audio guides for every chapter in the Bible. Join us for an epic journey through the entire Bible and understand the Bible in just 10 minutes a day. Get the app free at throughtheword.org. Thanks, everyone. Our producer is Brad Hornback. Audio production by Kira Joy. Video by Michael Kincaid. Audio editing by Daisy Short. On behalf of the whole team at The Soul Podcast, thanks for joining us. You heard the story, now go talk about it. Share a post, tell a friend, start a conversation, and we'll see you in the next one. You've got to hear that story.